Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. The, uh, the word of the Lord that I'd invite you to uh, consider is a word from our epistle lesson. In fact, verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 2. And it says this. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. This is the word of the Lord. I don't suppose you happen to hear about uh, Pastor Jingleheimer Schmidt and uh, Father Bartolo. They happen to have uh, churches, uh, a Lutheran church and Catholic church. I'll let you figure out which one belonged to who. But anyway, um, and they were across from each other, kind of on the outskirts of town. And, um, and they, would, uh, they would certainly uh, have a, a opportunities to discuss things. And, and they had decided under the current circumstances that, that they really needed to um, warn people that there was something very dangerous. So they pooled their resources and they decided that um, right near their churches as cars were, were heading out of town that they should put a sign. And, um, and so that's what they did. And so they put this sign out for everybody to read. The end is near. Turn yourself around now before it is too late. Well, as they were talking with each other, sure enough, a, a car drives by speeding out of town. And after having read the sign, the driver kind of stuck his head out the window and said, leave us alone, you religious fanatics. We don't care about your message. As the car went out of sight around the next curve, there was heard the screeching of brakes and all of a sudden a large splash. And Father Jingleheimer Schmidt says to, or pardon me, Pastor Jingleheimer Schmidt says to uh, Father Bartolo, he says, um, you know, that's the third one that's done that this morning. I wonder if we should have maybe, maybe we should have just put up a simpler sign that said, Bridge out. Thank you for your polite laughter. I appreciate that. Now the reason I share that is because it's indicative perhaps of the fact that sometimes how the church speaks is not always understood by the world. And in fact, it could be said that sometimes the, the church and the world are speaking two different languages, even though they're trying to connect. And maybe that's one of the things that's going on these days with regards to the racial tension, the uh, protests, the riots, the judgmental attitudes, the hostility that seems to be everywhere. 
our scripture passage, again, has something to say about that. It says again, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, that's good news. But before we get to celebrate that wonderful news, I think it is appropriate for us to first of all recognize that that there is a dividing wall of hostility that often separates people. It was certainly true in Jesus' day, and the scripture from Paul also addresses that. There was racial discord, certainly not something that we can fully understand or appreciate. We may not quite know what the tension was like, but we hear some of it in Jesus' interaction with that woman from Canaan. When he even says what certainly sounds to us to be a pretty offensive statement, referring to himself as being the bread of life, and he says that it is not right to take the children's bread, namely the children of Israel's bread, and throw it to the dogs. Was that meant to sting? Was it so accepted that that's how Jewish people looked at others who were not Jewish, that it was understood and acceptable? Perhaps like as we look back in time in our history and see things that used to be, quote, acceptable, but we've come to realize maybe not. I guess I can't obviously speak for for that time and place, and certainly not for Jesus. Whatever he said was not meant in a way that should bring harm or hurt or to demonstrate any type of prejudice. Perhaps it was through this word that he knew that she would respond with the faith that she did. Don't you love her response, even in the midst of what seems to us to be a a cut down, a, a criticism, a judgmental, and she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs, you can call me a dog if you like, but even the dogs get the crumbs. All I want, Lord, is a crumb. Now that is faith. And that's what Jesus recognized. Fast forward to today. Are there any dividing walls of hostility? It's obviously such a rhetorical question. Where isn't there a dividing wall of hostility, especially in our country today? Politically? But racially? Culturally? Ethnically? Are we aware of just how divisive this wall can be? This wall of racism and perceived racism, a prejudice that seems to say that uh, because I know or think I know what type of person's group they're from, then therefore that's 
how they are as well. How, how are you handling all of the hostility these days? Does it seem like you're, you're waiting for, for something to change and just shake somebody up and say, what are you doing? Come on, let's, let's talk. Let's... But when there's a wall, sometimes that seems impossible to even carry on a conversation. Have you ever hit a wall? Have you ever tried to go through a wall? Let's go. All right, for those of you who don't know, that was Harry Potter and his friend Ron. And um, in their world of, of fantasy and so forth, they were supposed to be able to take their, their carts and be able to push right through that brick wall because it was to get them to a, a magical other side of it, the platform nine and three quarters. But uh, it turned out that somebody, if you will, shut the magic off. And there you saw them ram into that wall. That hurts. It hurts to run into a wall. But sometimes the truth does hurt. Can we handle the truth? Reminiscent of uh, Jack Nicholson and a few good men where he says, you can't handle the truth. Can we? Like the truth that might suggest that there are some people who would say until white people come to understand what white privilege it is and what it means to benefit from racial injustice and recognize their, their fault in that, there can be no conversation. Whether or not you agree that is the truth for many people. Can we handle the truth that says our society over its history has certainly looked the other way when there have been times of injustice and prejudice that have been acceptable? Can we handle the truth when we recognize that when we do not act and seek to right wrongs, that we do bear some responsibility? The book of James says what? For him who knows what is right and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Share with you a quote. It says this, regarding the fifth commandment, which of course we know is you shall not murder. It says this, second, we have broken the fifth commandment, not only when we do evil, but also when we have the opportunity to prevent, protect, and save our neighbor from suffering bodily harm or injury, but fail to do so. 
If you see anyone who is condemned to death or in similar peril and do not save him, although you have means or ways to do so, you have killed him. It will be of no help to use the excuse that you did not assist their deaths by word or deed. For you have robbed them of the kindness by which and means of which their lives might have been saved. You know who said that? Martin Luther. In the large catechism when he's talking about the fifth commandment. In fact, he goes on to say it's like if you see someone who's drowning and can't swim and you have the ability to reach out and save them but you choose not to. He says, how are you to be viewed by the entire world except as a murderer? The truth hurts. And maybe we can't handle the truth. But you should be aware that it is not always just a... a, a case of uh, one side against the other. The lady who wrote Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling is her name, she is not known to be a conservative by any stretch of the imagination. And whether or not she's a Christian, I, I really don't know. But she got into a little dispute regarding some things which she certainly indicated were truth. And yet others took great exception with her. And there began a boycott of her and apparently she was scheduled for something and they canceled it because of her terrible things that she tweeted. Well, what she tweeted was what she thought biological truth. And in the follow-up to that, she was accused of being hateful and you know what she said to that? She said, it isn't hateful to speak the truth. Although, it certainly can be painful. We need to hear the truth even as much as we feel a desire to speak the truth. But always to speak the truth in love. The truth. You may be familiar with the companies that do your DNA, Ancestry.com, 23andMe. Well, you might find it interesting that this is what 23andMe, one of those companies, says as part of their official statement. It says, our company is based on the foundation that all of us are linked by a shared thread, DNA, that we are genetically 99.5% the same. Now, some research might say that we're even 99.9% .9 the same. That's talking about all human beings. But yet, what does it seem that we focus on? The 
the truth hurts. But the truth needs to be spoken. The um, George Floyd's death, which has served as the uh, event which has caused so much of the protests, as well as the riots and the damage and destruction. You may be aware that he was uh, laid to rest over this last week or so. And there was um, certainly several services, but at one of the services, there was uh, a preacher, probably familiar to you. I'm going to share just a little clip from his sermon. And, um, and this is what was said at, um, at George Floyd's sermon, funeral. Lives like George will not matter until somebody pays the cost for taking their lives. That was Reverend Al Sharpton. He said, lives like George will not matter until somebody pays the cost for taking lives. Lives like George will not matter until somebody pays the cost for taking their lives. Now, I'm not going to comment on the way in which or what he was inferring or saying about that. But I will say that I agree with him 100%. Because as we stand under the condemnation of the law, as we experience the weight that points out, as it always does, that we have fallen short, we have nowhere to turn except to the one who has paid the price, who has paid the cost, for our sins. And that's what makes our lives matter. The somebody who has come to pay the cost for our sins. I don't need to tell you that that is why we're here to worship. Jesus Christ. The one who in his body on the cross, who experienced the worst persecution and torture and death imaginable, has killed the hostility. And in his body, he has put to death and broken down the dividing wall of hostility so that the two or the many can become one. And that is who we are in Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. I invite you to stand. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.